brand new or repeating listeners. Thank you so much for joining Aspire to Lead podcast. This episode is sponsored by Toddle. Toddle is an all-in-one teaching and learning platform used by over 40,000 educators around the world. This year, Toddle is hosting the largest virtual gathering for school leaders across the globe on March 3rd and 4th. Join 5,000 plus school leaders and leadership experts at School Leaders Bootcamp and learn, connect, and grow with your professional learning network. Get your free pass now in the show notes or at joshstapper.com. And I know you're probably wondering, why should I go to a school leaders boot camp? Well, as a school leader, we all know that we put everyone before ourselves, our team, students, parents, and this wonderful leadership event is going to give you the opportunity to focus on yourself and your practices. Join a global community of school leaders to realize your vision, learn together with some phenomenal folks, build lasting relationships, and take back actual insights. You know I love free resources, and this is a fantastic event and resource for you. Go over again to the show notes or joshdamper.com and get your free pass now. I'm so excited to share this new series brought to you by Toddle. This is speakers who are going to be at the School Leaders Bootcamp. Obviously, we have talked the last couple of weeks about this wonderful event, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Jim Laird. He is a wonderful principal in British Columbia and has for the last 20 years. He spent most of his career opening and establishing a wonderful, innovative middle school, and we're going to talk a lot about his initiatives there, his work and research with Harvard, with IDEO, and some of the fantastic things that he's done with his community, with his students, and really building a fantastic culture of creativity and curiosity at his campus. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Jim, thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. I'm excited to be uh, getting the opportunity to meet with you and chat today. Well, I am so excited. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about you and what you're doing up in Canada. And I would love to learn about your story, about your educational and leadership journey. Well, I guess we'll start with the journey first, because, you know, it's always interesting to find out why people got to where they are. I'm really pleased to kind of come to you from the traditional unceded territory of the Okanagan Silks people in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. My career actually started in the school that I'm currently in when I was a student teacher 20 years ago. So it's fun now that I'm in a, a high school again, in a new school, to have the narrative of idiot kid comes back, does good. My staff reminded me that so far I'm new and I haven't done anything good yet. So it's just idiot kid comes back, which I always appreciate. <laughs> but I started 20 years ago. I always wanted to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. And to get into education, I got into administration six years in and I've had a really great kind of leadership journey through school. I was a high school teacher by trade, senior kind of humanities, history, social studies, you know, all that kind of fun, interesting stuff. And when I got into administration, they put me into middle school and I never worked in middle school. When you think about what middle school actually is, there, there's it's actually a really well-defined 50 years of experience. And I enjoyed middle school so much, they left me there for 13 years uh, as an administrator. So I've worked in three different buildings as a middle school administrator. And the most recent middle school I was in was Canyon Falls Middle School in Kelowna that I opened in 2019. So a really innovative 21st century school founded on all kinds of fun, interesting things like interdisciplinary learning, 
multi-aged groups of learning community students, full integration with special needs and, you know, exceptional learners all together, looking at ways to break down the silos, even within middle schools. So had a really great journey doing that. And just recently they moved me to high school. So again, I've come full circle now and uh, apparently my middle school career has run its course. So I'm here now. It's been a really fun trip. I've really had a great time doing the things I've had the real privilege of doing. I love middle school age students. They're incredibly fun and I find them really funny. It's kind of nice to be back at high school. It's change, but I'm enjoying that. So that's kind of what got me here in a real short order. And I know uh, I'm presenting at the Total School Leaders Bootcamp about my journey at Canyon Falls. So yeah, that's pretty exciting. Well, since you bring it up, I mean, I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. The School Leaders Bootcamp, Total's putting it on and it's going to be March 3rd and 4th. And you are one of the speakers for that event. I'm so excited for your session. And it's called Collaboration, Innovation, and Community. And in fact, you're going to be talking about the school that you were at before, which was Canyon Falls Middle School. So if you wouldn't mind, I would love to learn a little bit about what your session is going to be about. Yeah, it's funny because there's lots of different things that I've been asked to present on in different settings. And, and the one that I keep coming back to that's probably been the most impactful is the work with community in opening that school. But I'll give some context because my presentation in total, I'll, I'll make sure I actually spend time doing this properly. We all know change is hard and working in middle schools for a long time in, in really wonderful, great middle schools, but very traditional middle schools in the sense of, you know, kids have their timetables. You know, they may have platooning, they may not. Kids go from block to block. It looks kind of like junior high. Again, does great things for students. But in opening a school, there is always an opportunity to do something really special. Because, you know, you don't get much of an opportunity to ever do that in, in your career. At least it's the only time I've had the opportunity and probably the only time they're ever going to ask me. It's one of those things in our district, though, where people don't sign up to do it. Like it's one where, you know, people kind of have to volunteer to want to do it. And it's there is a sound of when your name is the only name in an empty hat. You know, it makes a really nice echo. But when I got the opportunity to open Canyon Falls, it really was a chance to do something a little different and to to push the envelope as far as I could for kids around learning and around structures. I always think of Jim Collins, that quote of from, you know, good is the enemy of great. And I'll talk about that in my total presentation. But, you know, when there's an opportunity to really do something special, it's like there's a moral imperative to do that. If someone told me it was like an elastic band, you're going to stretch it as far as it can. And if it breaks and snaps and hits me, so be it. But it's really my job to do the best possible job I could for kids. So what I've talked about a lot isn't really the structures of the school, but I'll give some context. It's been more about the parent involvement process and my engagement process using design thinking structures to really open the school with a, a community feel where we had learners and parents and community alongside for that journey. So what we were trying to do at the school, my superintendent said, you should do something really different. And my assistant superintendent said, we don't want it to look like our typical middle schools. We want you to really, really go outside the box and they said, what do you think about multi-age learning communities? And of course, at the time, Josh, I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a really interesting thing. And I know there's research around it. And so this was a school as designed, you know, working alongside community to really be focused on community with a capital C. And I learned as part of the journey that the more I kind of uncovered what that was, the more I had to learn about it. And, you know, really leaned on the work of Peter Block and Margaret Wheatley and some of these great, wonderful people also not educators, which I really appreciate. I love having that lens um, to open a school that's 
feels and looks and sounds different than than what I've done. So, yeah. you know, uh, in working through that, it was quite a journey. All right, Jim, you have piqued my interest. I am so on board with what you're talking through. And you talked about educational change, and you probably threw down maybe 10 to 15 words that has, I know my listeners, probably their ear, ears perked up because that is a system that they're probably not used to. I can only imagine the teachers that, that were a part of that school were probably thinking the same thing, like, what what did I sign up for? What are we What are we doing here? So how did you work through the educational change on that campus? So, you know, and that's really the crux of this work with community because the community work that I did and the structures involved staff, the prospective staff as well. So there was info sessions and things like that to start talking about a new vision, but the vision really was created alongside kind of multiple partner groups. So what I realized, and of course, and I'll get, you know, the school was a 22 month build that was going to be done in 14 months. So there were all these technical challenges as part of it, which I think is normal in opening schools, but the, the most important people in the process, you know, aren't me. And it's, it's not even really the staff, it's the parents and the kids when we're starting to talk about educational change, because that change really affects them mostly. And I started to do empathy interviews with students and parents. And so meeting with small groups of students, you know, two or three at a time is what all I could record and type. Um, it took a month to design the questions that I asked. And I worked with a principal in San Diego, a guy named Joe Repelding, who runs Design 39, uh, Design Thinking School down there. And we he really was a, an amazing learning partner. And I find that people doing the most interesting work are the most generous with their time. Like it's it's such an interesting thing I've noticed in all the connections. Um, but I did empathy interviews with 143 future students, which is about half of the kids coming in that first year. We were only opening with two grades. So I was able to sit down with half of the students in the spring and really ask them questions about hopes and dreams for the school. You know, what are the things that teachers do that really, you know, you know, make things amazing for you and help you learn and going through a process to really gather that information to help shape what Canyon Falls became. What was also really important was meeting with parents and doing the same thing. So I had lots of one-on-one -on -one and small group empathy interviews and conversations with parents as well. And this is where the change piece was really interesting and complex because students are, I mean, I think about, you know, grade five and six students, they were just excited for something special and something great. And they will talk your ear off and they will tell you the most amazing things because that's just what children do. When you tell them that you're going to design something that's for them, with them, that's going to be something completely different than what they're used to, they're on board right away. Kids are on board. Uh, for families, it's trickier. Like we know that with change comes uncertainty. We know that with change comes stress. And, you know, I'm a dad myself. So when I think about my own children, the minute someone starts talking about doing things differently, it starts to raise different emotions and different questions. And I found that by sitting and actually sharing space with the parents I was going to serve and just listening, I was just typing like crazy, would ask the odd question, tell me more. They would tell me more. And Keeping those conversations really in that innovative mind space, a really positive space about what could be in the new school, it was a really unique way to build relationships with a new community. And as we started to piece together what that school was going to look like, I brought all the students and the parents and some of the new staff together to sort the data together in a big public forum. And I didn't know whether eight people were going to come or a hundred people were going to come, and it was almost a hundred people. And it was a it was amazing, Josh, to see parents alongside their children who were coming to this new school, alongside staff, 
sorting through this data from the empathy interviews and really pulling out the key pieces of what the school was going to be all about. And it created this excitement. Like when I think about, you know, there's all kinds of change models, but I think about Cotter's, you know, it's about creating urgency and really having people recognize when, you know, why should we change? Well, that's the first question you need to be able to answer when they can start understanding the need to change and what could be possible. Even the parents, I mean, not even the parents, the parents, they were getting excited about this and this new vision of what the school could be. So this was a process that took three months of conversations, of course, dealing with all the school stuff, but all the empty interview pieces, getting the meetings set up, and then starting to go through the data together and bringing this with the teaching team and with the parents and kids to go, okay, what could this be? And as we started looking at structures of the school, we started to get really creative based on some of the ideas that you know, I'd been learning about. So yeah, it was it was a great process. And it's something that, you know, there's been another middle school in our district open since then. And I've worked at the principal really closely about that process. And other schools around British Columbia, because I presented at a BC Superintendents Association meeting about this. And of course, you know, I don't know if five people are going to come or the room's going to be full. The room is full. And there's been lots of great networking that's come out of that because some districts where, where there's growth are opening new schools. And in talking through the actual details of the process and what questions and why and how I involve people in that structure to bring data, like, honestly, there's nothing less sexy than telling a parent, hey, we, we're going to get together and crunch data together with your kids. But that's a tough sell for parents in June. And I, I was so pleased to have, you know, I think it was 88 people showed up to come together to, to pour through this and to really start pulling trends and themes out to really shape our school vision. I couldn't have been prouder of the community, but it was it was a different process than I've ever done. And what it became was a school that was based on on children, but really children at the center of learning. And our learning communities, there are six in Canyon Falls, they're all multi-grade. So kind of schools within schools, like if little Josh came to our school and in grade six joined the Dragonfly learning community, you would be there for three years with the same kind of core of teachers. And as the students kind of worked through from year to year, there was built-in mentorship and kind of a three-year loop with learning where our teachers, our kids were saying, and our parents are saying, like, I really want teachers that know my know my child. And, and the children said, like, who really know me? And when you start putting in structures in place where teachers spend more time with kids, they really do know the child as a learner. They know them as a person. They know their families. And there was real connection around that, which was really positive. And we, 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 again, it's not a, it's not a great stat, but we had very few discipline things at all in our school because, because the students were so tight, because we were teaching collaborative skills and we were teaching ways to work through challenges when they happen, the kids really looked out for one another and supported each other through that. It's a kind, caring building. The staff are so outstanding with what they do. But, you know, there was these things that came out of these these groups, these parent meetings that kind of jived with my superintendent and assistant soup going, I think we can do this. And and yeah, we did it. And they're, they're continuing doing it, which I'm really excited about. Um, but that's just one example of the things that came out that really came to existence in the school. But I mean, we blended all of our subjects. We blended our grades. Our exploratory teachers, we all know that exploratory structure in middle school, we broke down the silos. So those teachers joined our communities full-time and immersed in the communities and the teachers rotated through the schools. So we were kind of breaking down the silos within traditional middle school, which let's be honest, there's not a ton of silos in middle school, but even incorporated them as part of the learning community where 
And, you know, the kids got foods every year and they got to work with Mr. Malioki, who, again, Red Seal chef, I hired this Italian guy who's just an amazing educator. And, you know, all of them were great and just really made special things happen for kids. And we did this in a very community-based, collaborative, integrated way. So, again, a lot of change when you look at what how middle schools, at least here and in other places, tend to run. And, uh, yeah, working with parents alongside and kids to do that. The empathy interviews, I mean, that's phenomenal. I, to be able to spend that time with those families, with the students, to understand what they are looking for in their middle school experience, that's pretty powerful. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. You mentioned, Jim, a couple times in your answers about design thinking. And for those who may not know that term, I know you've done a lot of research and then, of course, taken that research to implement on your campus. Will you just kind of enlighten us on what design thinking is all about? I'll do the best I can because it comes from a couple places. Uh, the main two places that I learned from this from were Stanford's D School. They actually have a design thinking school through Stanford and then also through IDEO. They kind of do a lot of design thinking with their business model. I mean, in short, it's really human-centered design. It really is designing structures and systems based on, you know, the people we serve and the users in the system, whether they're customers in a business sense or, you know, the students and families we serve in schools, which, you know, we provide a service as well. And how, how to structure meaningful conversation and pull data together and make meaning to, to better serve the people that you're working with. You know, there's lots of resources around it. We, I took a course in IDEO and it was it was fabulous. And I took another course through Stanford's D School. And they all their resources are, especially Stanford D School is free online. But it really helps shape a different way to open a school that, you know, goes away from the, you know, the nuts and bolts of the technical opening and when to order textbooks and the way that people sometimes spend their time to really shift that purposefully toward, not that those things didn't have to happen by the way they did. But shift the purpose toward, you know, what what's the community really hoping for? How do we best pull the group together where people feel a sense of ownership and urgency to really actually do the work? And design thinking was the best model to do that with. And we use this in our school district, but empathy interviewing, just sitting with people and really listening and asking good questions are key. And I, I think of um, Peter Block's work. His book, Community, was really, really groundbreaking for me to reevaluate what community meant. Um, but he really talks about the role of a leader is to shape the right questions and to ask the right questions of people. And it it really did matter when it came to opening a building that you wanted people to care about and invest in. I could have opened the school and not talked to anyone. But I have to admit, not going through the right process and involving people along the way and creating that coalition and the urgency and all the things we know from change theory that's really important, it would have never it would have never gone off the way we were hoping for. And it wouldn't have been as innovative as it was because we were able to lean on the words of kids and parents and staff and really design and build based on that. So I want to talk about some of the innovative processes that you implemented on your campus because I know you've talked about the silo piece and breaking it down. And I know there was a lot of other components that you were able to do. And you made the comparison of stretching that rubber band until it broke and want to know what else you were doing on your campus that was innovative that maybe the listeners can also take to their own campus or district. Sure. There were some great opportunities in opening a building that was designed for collaborative education. 
that I wanted to take full advantage of. Um, you know, for example, you know, when kids joined our school, like I mentioned, our students would be in three-year loops, essentially, with teams of teachers, and the teachers would know them really well. We had a flexible schedule where subjects would integrate. We didn't have kids going off to English eight and then off to, you know, social studies. We really took inquiry and really blended our subjects together. And we're fortunate in British Columbia that we have a competency-based curriculum, which really lends toward kind of breaking down some of the traditional subjects that, you know, we know that, you know, at 50 minutes, students would go to socials and then 50 minutes, they would go to English. And we know that that's not how people actually learn best. And so having teachers collaborate closely together, every learning community had a teacher collaboration space. So this is where teachers kind of had their desks and they had whiteboards and they planned and had common preps built in to provide teachers the time and space to actually design the learning and, and, and work together in doing that. Our school, or I mean our school, my old school, I still call it my school sometimes, garage doors that open up and walls that move. So the learning space could be five independent spaces or it could be one large space or any combination in between. So depending on from a real learner-centered design focus around pedagogy and how we're looking at learning, teachers could actually use the space and design the space to reflect the kind of learning that they're hoping to have, whether it's really large collaborative learning experiences or whether it's smaller groups or, or anything in between. Um, which again, a lot of schools don't have the opportunity to do, but it was really creating the time and space for teachers to design learning in ways that really supported students six to eight as learners first, not the, not the age time stamp on their forehead when they're born, um, but to be what did they need at that time? What were the big competency pieces, whether it was critical thinking or communication or collaboration, or that we're really trying to dig into as learning communities and do together? That lens of community from Peter Block isn't just about the parents and the staff and the kids. It was really about how we designed the learning experience for students as well that was integrated and really based on them first. And teachers, I have to say, because I mean, whether any of them hear this or not, the most amazing team of teachers that I had the fortunate privilege to, uh, to work with. When we started designing what this school was going to look like, they were all in, Josh, and you know, for people hiring, I, I worked with a lot of principals prior to hiring for the school and connecting and networking about what kinds of teachers do really well in innovative learning spaces. Like what are the qualities that other principals have noticed really help teachers thrive? And it was super interesting because in talking with lots of them, it wasn't the things I expected, although in hindsight, I totally get it now. They all said to me the quality for, for teachers to thrive in a really innovative learning space is people who are comfortable with risk. It really is teachers who are comfortable taking chances and risks and failing forward and learning and trying. You know, when, when we hired, we've said this very openly with people, we didn't hire the most, and I'm, I'm using air quotes, but, you know, not like the best traditional teacher. We hired the best kind of people and the best fits for the school. And it really created communities where the teachers were willing to try and they were willing to you know, work together. They were curious, curious learners and leaders. And, you know, when we started to work with our kids, they really let the kids take the lead on how they designed. So from a learning experience, very flexible, very integrated. You know, we had, uh, you know, lots of students who have exceptional learning needs and you wouldn't have been able to find who they were, Josh, in walking through the communities because our adults just moved through the community. Students were integrated, they're multi-grade and they're supporting each other. And it was 
it was really amazing to see just kind of the level of care the kids had for each other when as a family, they looked out for one another. We had a competition every year and it's, you know, competition is interesting because it can be negative at times, but it can be the most positive thing that's done properly. Uh, we called it the Canyon Cup and it was kind of modeled like in a weird way on, you know, kind of the, the Harry Potter kind of idea where there's going to be a big competition in points and from the months of January until spring break. So they're in the middle of it right now. Every week there were kind of high and low risk activities for kids to take part in, to earn points for their community. And it became this really special community building structure during the winter months. And in Canada, as you know, from being in Minnesota, it's cold and dark, but it breathes life into the school every year. And the kids really, really came together as groups. We built in as many kindness challenges and kind of ways to do service leadership in the school that were in points as anything else. And it always ended with, you know, when we could do it, you know, outside of COVID, but big assemblies and everything. And when we had COVID, we did it through Zoom and like live stream Zoom through the whole school. But it was a way to have the students really come together as a, as a family within the school and support each other toward winning the Canyon Cup, as we call it. And I, I can't understate how important this was for the students and the teachers. Like they really wanted this in their community and all they got was a pizza party, but they got the Canyon Cup in their community for the for the rest of the year. And it was a big focal point in the community for kids that won and the communities that won because the way we designed it, and I don't want to spoil it for kids who, I doubt they'll hear this, Josh, but if they did, we designed it so the collaborative activities, the low risk, high participation activities the service leadership activities were the things that carried the Canyon Cup. And communities kind of realized it wasn't about the like the sports events or like the, you know, the winter competitions. It was all about the little things you did every week. And the team there designed it masterfully to really have this be something the school could rally around and work towards. So it, it was this really great thing to celebrate every year, but it really, it really was one of the best things we did that had nothing to do with social studies and English and all of those things, but it, it made a difference in every single part of the school. Jim, I just love that the innovation that you're talking about is all about building a beautiful culture and community within your school. I, I think that's the one thing I, I've taken from this interview and I absolutely love it. For those who are listening, make sure you join the School Leaders Bootcamp. Make sure you go to Jim's session. He's going to talk a lot more about this. And his session, again, is Collaboration, Innovation, and Community, Canyon Falls Middle School. He's going to talk about all of the different stories from that middle school about his innovation, the 21st century learning school, you know, all of those different pieces. And I, I can't wait to attend that session myself. Jim, before we end our conversation, I ask all of my guests about one thing, and that is for our aspiring and current leaders, if you could recommend one thing for them to do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you recommend? I, I would say always be curious and always listen to the voices of the people we serve. And I know when things are busy and things are tough, sometimes that's not where we go to, but I find that the more I learn about things, the more I realize I don't know and I need to learn more and it really fuels it. So be curious. That would be the thing. Always, always be seeking. So for those who are listening that want to connect with you on social media, how may they do that? I am on Twitter. So it's Jim Laird 23, the number's 23. So J-I-M-L-A-I-R-D 23. I post a lot about vinyl records and other weird things, but I do connect with a lot of people online and you know, it, there still is a lot of networking that I do. So that's an easy one to send me a message. 
And there's always email. I'm, I'm fine getting emails from wonderful, interesting people from wherever. And I love networking and connecting and sharing and just being a support. I, I kind of go back to Joe Repelding and others that I worked with. It's the people that do some of the most interesting work. Joe said to me, he goes, the only thing is I'll do, I'll, I'll connect with you, no fees, no nothing, whatever. The only catch is that you have to share with others. And so to me, I, I kind of go back to that. And so email is totally great. And it's jim.laird at sd23.bc.ca. So probably will be in some show notes at some point. For sure. All of these things will be in the show notes. So not only the School Leaders Bootcamp Pass will be in there for you. It's free events, again, March 3rd and 4th but I'll have Jim's email and his Twitter handle on there. Yeah, give him a follow. Show him the power of a professional learning network, all right? So we got to show Jim uh, how powerful Twitter is. So go on and, and give him a follow. Uh, make sure you connect with him because he is a fantastic resource. If there's anything that you've heard today about innovative practices, Jim is fantastic with explaining that. So make sure you are reaching out and go to his session here at the School Leaders Bootcamp, and that's run by Toddle. Jim, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you and to learn all the fantastic things you are doing in Canada. And I just so appreciate everything you do for education. Well, thank you, Josh. I appreciate uh, having the opportunity.